out in a hot flood. We <laughs> 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 yeah, have to rock the house people, don't we? <laughs> um, so now's time to be sensible and um, <laughs> we sensible before. Um, we're going to hear a video which dates back to January 2020, so just before COVID hit in those halcyon days when we had a, a summer retreat called Ganeshpuri Days and the topic of Swamiji's talk is, as he describes it, the pressure of sadhana. I'm going to listen carefully to this one. <laughs> and uh, the talk includes a series of questions Swamiji asked Baba during his time in Ganeshpuri. So... It's around 40 minutes, so make yourself comfy. And at the end of it, it's got about five minutes of chanting with Baba and also a 10-minute meditation. Well, night, night two of the retreat. And... Um, uh, my topic for tonight is the pressure of sadhana. <laughs> We're going deep into it. Um, as I said, uh, this is uh, the Ganeshpuri Days retreat. And for me, Ganeshpuri Days uh, represents the early 70s, my three years I spent with Baba and his ashram. Now, Ganeshpuri yields exactly the same experience now as it ever has, so you don't have to have um, FOMO. <laughs> that um, even though my time with Baba was the greatest time, this time with Baba is also the greatest time. It's all the same. But, um, <clears throat> but that was a special time, and certainly for in my evolution, my life, uh, it's great to uh, think about that time. And as I said, I asked Baba in the question-answer sessions a series of questions, some of which were fairly trivial, but some of which were very crucial to my understanding of my sadhana. But here, what do we have? We have... Uh, let's take a look at Baba. Okay. This is Baba during the summer. It was very hot, and he would go around like that sometimes. And, and uh, it, it, you can see it's very informal because he has his teeth out. And he was always very cute when he had his teeth out. Uh, you know, I guess uh, the dental care in India in those days for sadhus was pretty bad. And at one point, Baba had all his teeth pulled out, and he had false teeth. Uh, and uh, he looked very cute, he was having fun there. He told very funny stories. We had a great time with him. What else do you have? That was in his room. Okay, so later on, um, it moved out from his room to the courtyard. This is a question and answer session uh, uh, in, uh, in the courtyard. And to Bob, what? There you are. That's correct. Uh, yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm there in the lower left losing my religion, or my hair, I think. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Baba's answering the question, and Professor Jane 
who's to his behind him is uh, will be the translator. Yeah. The bridge is there too. Do you see her? Isn't that against the column? Oh yeah. Yeah. What? It's very evocative, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But I loved it in his room. That was really cool. But it was all cool. <clears throat> okay. Before I go off with that, <laughs> turn it off. <laughs> so, so he would often. Uh, he would also tell us what to expect and what to. Uh, uh, you know, I could give a little talk at the beginning of the session or at the end, and this is an example. This is from uh, late March um, in in '72. It's my second summer there, so I've already gone through one summer. But the the uh, Indian summers there are <laughs> excruciating, extraordinary. Uh, I've never experienced anything like it. Uh, <clears throat> in uh, March it starts getting warm, April it's hot, May is off the planet. Uh, and uh, you never, you never, it never cools down, even at night. And I used to lie down on the marble in the courtyard just to get some coolness in. And so Baba was giving us a little lecture about how to behave in the, um, <clears throat> during the summer. By the way, I welcome everybody. <laughs> and I uh, welcome people watching online and in the future also. <clears throat> Baba says, summer is approaching. <clears throat> he used daddy taking care of us. It's so sweet. And you shouldn't drink too much water. Because we were so dehydrated, we just drink and drink until we got sick. And be extremely careful about what you eat. Keep pursuing your sadhana earnestly. Meditate regularly and do everything punctually. <laughs> you should not fall a victim to smugness. What? Smugness. Smug. Don't, don't be complacent. It's very hard to with him there, cracking his whip. <clears throat> if you were to enjoy a couple of Malpuras on a particular day, that should not make you fly into ecstasy, <laughs> feeling that this is the purpose for what you're here. A Malpura is a sweet chapati. They're very delicious. They're made with uh, the chapatis, but they're laced with uh, gur, you know, um, jaggery. What do you call that? Jaggery. Jaggery, but what... You call it jaggery in this culture? It's like maybe something. It's like that. It's, anyway, it's very nice. <clears throat> Malpuras. Um, Bob used to tell a story of a saint who just loved Malpuras, and he hung around Eknat Maharaj, I think it was. And uh, he didn't do anything, he just hung around for the Malpurs. But he became realized doing that. <laughs> uh, anyway, continue to meditate with great love. Continue to do your sadhana with great love. This is the kind of thing. 
Bob would say. <clears throat> All right, so this is March 20th, 1972. And, you know, you know from what I said yesterday that I was always trying to work out a proper balance. Uh, yesterday was between effort and surrender. And so um, uh, I'm trying to find out. It, it's because it was not easy to live there. Now, it wasn't because of physical privations. It was, you know, there, there were privations, but it was fairly comfortable by, by Indian standards, certainly. Um, and the food was good, and it was beautifully clean and everything. But just the, the fire of sadhana was so intense. Uh, so I was always trying to adjust and um, do it. And I got very impressed by the story from the Buddha, where the Buddha... Uh, was said to have been meditating and he heard uh, a, 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 music, a music teacher uh, teaching his student, they were learning to play the veena, and he said, adjust the strings not too tight and not too loose. And this, the way Baba told it, then the Buddha was instantly realized when he heard that. And he invented the middle path, not too tight and not too loose. So I was trying to figure out how I could be there not too tight and not too loose, because I saw that it'd be impossible to be there too loose, I think. But I, I saw people burn themselves out uh, being there by, by their will and so on. So I was always trying. <clears throat> so I was trying to get Baba to um, agree with me, but he didn't cut me any slack. Um, <clears throat> Shankar asked, the main trouble I have in sadhana is finding the right pressure to maintain. Not too loose, not too tight. Can Baba give me advice on this? Is it ever justified to, light, to tighten up so that your joy is de increased, decreased? To tighten up so that your joy, in other words, to, um, to make it so tight that you lose your joy. And this may have been, looking back, I'm wondering, I may have had a criticism of some of the other guys in the dorm who were very like, intensely austere yogis who were, because of that they had a lot of anger and they, you know, quite obnoxious. <laughs> <clears throat> but Baba doesn't cut me any slack. And this is a line that echoed in my head. Baba, you must realize that sadhana is tapasya, burning. It is hard work. Here it is. It is not a bed of roses. <laughs> it's in my brain. Sadhana is not a bed of roses. Because then there was a, a, a novel, a, a book called I Never Promised You a Rose Garden. You know that? So anyway. It's a song. Huh? It's a song. It's a song. Oh, yeah? There was a, there was a, a book. By a oh yeah, I'm sure there's a song too. <clears throat> By Queen's Clearwater, right? <laughs> okay, okay. I give up. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, go for it.
it's not a bed of roses. To walk on the spiritual path is not like... To... <laughs> Already I'm frying. <laughs> he can reach out from beyond the grave and do this to me even now. <laughs> What? Maybe he knew, he intuited that you were asking about oh. them, not yourself. Mm. Or, also, I wanted him to cut me some slack, too. There was like many very bad motives here. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like very personalized, this answer. You can explain it to me. I'm seeing so many things in it, I don't understand. <clears throat> At the time, I was just... Uh, you know, just burning too much to even comprehend the word of it. Uh, <clears throat> to, <laughs> to walk on the spiritual path is not like touring the country as a wealthy tourist. Stay <laughs> <laughs> staying in big hotels and seeing beautiful gardens and eating rich foods. There is no such thing as tightening yourself too much. It is only those people who have not been doing any sadhana who begin to feel they are tightening themselves too much. <laughs> Imagine how I felt. What? How did you recover? Well, I, 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 I've told you what I, I used to go to the tea shop after every session and burn and drink tea and calm myself down and tell me I'm okay and it wasn't for me and then... And then by the next session, I was ready to go again, you know. <clears throat> Take, for instance, a person who has never practiced the lotus position. If he were to sit like that, even for a few minutes, he'd begin to feel the strain. While we can sit for hours without being conscious that we're sitting in a particular posture. So there he's giving me, so of course, uh, just before that, they, he praised my lotus posture. So he, because I'd gotten, um, <laughs> I got, I got um, jaundice while I was in the first couple of months there, where you turn yellow. It's like uh, it's not, not hepatitis, but not serious kind. And so I had to go to the hospital in uh, in Andheri, in, in Bombay, and it was um, uh, the Sisters of Mercy. It was a Dutch uh, Catholic hospital with nuns and all. <clears throat> and I spent a couple of weeks recovering there. And I found that my lotus posture was fabulous after because I didn't walk. And I realized, you know, Haridas used to say a yogi shouldn't walk or do, do any exercise because then his posture will be better. He'll be able to fold his legs better. You know that? Your muscles get tight if you walk or exercise too much. <clears throat> so, but I could sit in the best lotus then for a long time after that, and Baba saw me after that, so, anyway. Is that in your book? No. <laughs> Wait, stop it, where is it? Stop the press. I left something out, this was my greatest fear. <laughs> so the ten of them on their way? And the the others, what do you figure? And I'll arrive in Australia end of January. What? In Australia end of January. And then end of January. Yeah. Well, that's not bad. Okay. <clears throat> Baba says. 
Discipline or self-restraint is necessary, not only for a yogi, not only for a seeker, but also for a person who's living an ordinary life in the world. Restraint must be exercised in the matter of food and sleep and so on. If in your ordinary life you do not exercise any self-restraint, then you end up in a nursing home. Even in your everyday life, you have to control your sleep, your food, and your recreation. And if you don't do that, you won't be able to live life successfully. This was just, you know, banged into my discipline, discipline, discipline. If you go to bed late at night, you get up late in the morning and you're not saving any time by going to bed late at night. We go to bed early at night and rise early. As far as conversation is concerned, you should talk only as much as necessary for your normal life. You shouldn't talk too much and you shouldn't talk too little. You don't have to become absolutely indifferent to your friends. At the same time, you don't have to become too friendly with them. So, because Girija wouldn't speak to me after this. Said, <laughs> Baba's, Baba said, you know. <laughs> it's just like putting a limit on the amount of food you're going to eat. And now he tells a story. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's a very, very funny story. Beautiful. <clears throat> Either Baba had very severe clairvoyant powers, or Amma was telling him stuff, <laughs> or both. <laughs> All right, <laughs> here's the story. Once <laughs> a great professor from Iceland. <laughs> from Iceland or Greenland came and stayed here with us for quite some time. He used to wear kadi. Kadi is the, the homespun that Gandhi uh, used to, you know, had them spinning and all that. And so he means, he means he was very simple, you know, unassuming. <clears throat> he would sit in my presence for quite a few hours at a distance, not utter a single word and then leave. When he came, the only word that he uttered was good morning. At that time, I was practicing vigorous control in food. I was only taking coffee and dry bread. At the time, some devotees brought bread for me on Saturday, and I had to make it last me until the next weekend. Babu Sheti, Desai, and Venkapa, when they came here, would bring some loaves of bread, and that would last me until the next weekend. Of course, uh, Babu Sheti, Desai, and Venkapa were main characters in the ashram in those days. Venkapa, uh, oh, how do you describe this? Desai was, you know Desai, Swami Govindananda, who passed away a few years ago, who came and visited here. He was the ashram manager. And uh, Babu Shetty was kind of a, one of my mentors, who's quite an adorable old guy, done a lot of yoga in his life. Uh, and Venkapa was, uh, handled the physical details of the ashram. He, he went back with Baba to the very earliest days. But they would bring loaves of bread. Usually it so happened that he came the, this is the professor now. He came when it was time for me to take coffee. I would give him bread and a banana and coffee only on Sundays, because until Sunday, what had been brought to me would be fresh, but on other days it would become stale. So on other days, I didn't give him anything. In spite of the fact that I was the disciple of such a great guru, 
I did not let anyone know what my condition was. In other words, didn't have much food. I didn't let anyone even suspect it. For a long time, that professor came every day and sat silently for hours together and then left. He followed that routine day after day, and I keep sitting there exchanging conversation with devotees who came along like I do now. <clears throat> then after about five months, there came a certain devotee who happened to know English. Now that I'd found an interpreter, I asked the professor from Iceland <laughs> if he didn't ever feel like asking me anything. By the way, that's... Um, <clears throat> it's suspect because Babu Shetty knew English and so did Desai. <laughs> so, all right. Mugagi <laughs> was finding all kinds of holes in the story. <laughs> what was the other one? It comes later. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so, um, <clears throat> did, he, did he feel it? The professor said, <laughs> I have nothing to say because I'm making an effort to get your love without exchanging any words with you. Then I said, look, <laughs> and this never happened, this, what Papa said, this didn't happen. Look, if we were to begin to talk to each other, we would have a stronger relationship between the two of us and we would understand each other much more and our inner link would become stronger. <laughs> Papa knows that. <laughs> made up. <clears throat> and Baba says, he was also a great poet. He said, <laughs> that may not be the case necessarily, the, the professor says. On the contrary, what may happen is that if we begin to converse, our love may begin to change. And he narrated a story. An English girl married a Russian boy. <laughs> Why is this so hilarious? And the love between the two of them was a silent love because they didn't know each other's language. They were communicating with each other on a subtle level and they were living very happily. Thus a number of years passed and they had three children and they yet weren't talking to each other. <laughs> One day it so happened that a scholarly guest who happened to know both languages, Russian and English, landed at that place. See, I'm hearing this story and I'm identifying. I'm the professor, I'm the, I'm the married couple, I'm the, the guest who causes all trouble. Who am I, Baba? You know, what are you saying to me? I'm trying to figure out what that is saying to me. You know? <clears throat> Both of them honored him very much and they asked, him, they asked him to stay with them for some time. The husband and wife would hold conversations with him separately, and they talked to him with great love. But he never found them talking to each other, and this surprised him. One day he said to them, look, <clears throat> I've been uh, here quite some time, and I haven't heard you exchange a single word with each other. How can you possibly love each other if you're not able to speak to each other? They said, for love we don't have to speak to each other. Even, even though we haven't exchanged a single word with each other, we have three children, and we're quite happy with each other. The professor wanted to know the reason. And the husband said, look, I don't know English. And well, now this is the professor, the new guy. <clears throat> is that the way it is? Oh, no, yes, this is a new professor. Oh, wait, the professor, all right. And the wife said, I don't know Russian. 
the professor said, this is another professor, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's filthy <filming> professors. <laughs> so it's filthy <filming> professors. <laughs> professor said, look, you shouldn't have any worry on that account because I know both languages. And he began to teach English to the husband and Russian to the wife. And the husband and wife began to talk to each other. The guest did not stay with them forever. After some time, he left. So now guess what happened? All right. Before the scholarly guests had come, they were loving each other on the basis of subtle inner understanding. But now he gave, that gave way to superficial contact through words. Now that the two could communicate with each other on the level of language, sometimes they say things that would hurt each other. Sometimes they would talk too much and sometimes they would talk less. The perfect harmony which was between them was upset and they began to have more and more quarrels. One day they had such a bitter quarrel they decided to divorce. Then they separated, they started living in different houses. You know, around this time, too, I was wondering if I should learn Hindi so I could talk to Baba. <laughs> Honestly. <clears throat> After a few days, that professor appeared on the scene again. He was on his way back and he wanted to say hello to them. He asked the neighbors where the couple was and he was told the two had fallen out with each other and the girl lived in that room and the boy lived in that room. So he went to meet both of them. He asked them in a tone of surprise, look, you loved each other so much and you even had three children. How could this pr present rift come about between the two of you? Both of them said to him, look, professor, <laughs> if you wish to know the truth, this is your gift to us. <laughs> and Baba says, <clears throat> Damn. <laughs> it appears that the same holds true between us. And that's the end of the program. <laughs> we understand each other on a subtle level, and that is one reason I'm not learning English. <laughs> Because if I were to start learning English, I wonder whether the same thing that happened to that couple would happen to us. That's amazing. It's always better to talk less rather than more. There's also, he's also... <clears throat> because if you talk less, then you'll be spending more time in remembrance of the Lord. However, you should not strain your body while practicing a particular discipline. If you can sit in a meditative posture and meditate for one or one and a half hours, that would be enough. Besides that, you should be doing your work assignment most punctually without anyone having to check you. During the remaining period, you should learn to keep your mind still, to keep it empty, and you should make a vigorous effort in that direction. 
to fall asleep during meditation doesn't mean that your mind is weak. Now, this is really out of left field because I'm always asking about tundra state and all that. So it, it only shows that the mind has stopped thinking. Whenever the mind stops thinking, it falls into sleep. It stays awake only as long as it keeps wandering among external objects. For some time, you shouldn't interfere with what's happening to you. You shouldn't force yourself to stay awake in meditation. See, it's in that uh, when your mind becomes quiet in meditation, you go into a sleep-like state, which is actually tantra, and it's actually a very beneficial state, so you shouldn't fight that off. There will come a time when you will pass beyond sleep, and then the, the, the sleep state becomes more conscious, and so you're like asleep while awake, or awake while asleep. <clears throat> I'm sure I know that a lot of people here have experienced this states like this. Uh, as you go beyond this sleep, you'll be able to slip into higher consciousness, the state of tundra, where you become aware of many things you cannot perceive with your gross senses. But as far as conversation is concerned, you should talk only when it's necessary. If it's not necessary to converse, then keep silent. Silence is the best way of honoring other people. And besides, then you'll not be getting on each other's nerves. How's that? With a lot of love. Huh? With a lot of love. Oh, man. So. Did you tell Amma you wanted to write Hindi? <clears throat> That's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering, must have. Hmm. Or, you know, there was an issue because Baba, none of us, there were like three or four of us who learned Hindi. And I thought about it. And, but I didn't have the mojo to do it, you know. What? He's basically saying not to there. That's what he's saying, yeah. <clears throat> he's saying whether he should learn English. <laughs> I got one more and one another one. These are highly personal. I feel naked and exposed. <laughs> You'll all be given a forget potion that you leave the street. I won't remember. <laughs> All right. This is now uh, <clears throat> a year later, in June of 73, and it, it turns out it's right after the big crisis of my sadhana, which I've often talked about, um, where I had terrible fear caused by astrological hallucinations, and I thought that horrible things were going to happen, and I, I became kind of unhinged, and I couldn't get off this. And finally, Baba came up to me and said, do the mantra, and you know, really um, instilled in me, told me, do the mantra, do the mantra intensely, uh, four hours a day, well, 24 hours a day, four hours intensely, and, and a couple of days had gone beyond it. And I had expected, because of my misreading of astrology, that on the date June 11th, 1973, uh, that there would be disaster. And so that date passed, nothing happened. I, you know, I was cured. And this question was asked on June 19th. In other words, what is that, eight days after this whole thing was over. It was in my rearview mirror. And I'm asking a similar question to the other one a year before, two years before, whenever it was. Shankar, sometimes in sadhana, 
the pressure becomes very intense. I start to feel sick or become emotionally upset. I usually take a period of rest at these times since continuing intense sadhana seems like self-punishment. But then I wonder if I should go right on through the difficulty. What is the best approach? So I'm just gone through this thing. I'm trying to work out again what to do because it was like the, that was the crisis of my life in some ways. Bhavasa. <clears throat> <laughs> this shows that sadhana has started taking place within you. That is why you're going through such phases. Sadhana will suck all the vital juices out of your body at least once, almost desiccating it. <laughs> you like that? <clears throat> you should not be frightened. I can see you're becoming emaciated as a result of sadhana. And I did. I, I weighed about 130 pounds at that stage. I really was... <clears throat> if you give up sadhana during such a period, you'll revert to the state you were in before starting sadhana. But you have to go through it at the end. Well, it's very foolish to leave your sadhana half-baked. <clears throat> if you give up sadhana during such a period, you'll revert. So you should persist in sadhana even during a period such as this. To think you're punishing yourself by continuing the sadhana is a very fanciful notion. The fact is that you've never treated your body kindly. You've always punished it. What's your idea of giving rest to your body? Does it mean to burn in the fire of pleasure? You've already burnt in the fire of pleasure. Wouldn't it be far more purposeful to burn it in the fire of yoga? You like this or is this scary? Scary? Huh? You may feel you've gotten sick, but this feeling is just a mental notion. You will not get sick. During meditation, you have to undergo tremendous inner pressure, inner changes, inner turmoil. But what makes you think that if you are not meditating, if you're just living in the outside world, that you'd not undergo such trying times? You have to work so hard to progress in the world. You have to learn quite a few skills. You have to educate yourself a great deal. Then you find a companion to spend your life with. And sometimes you have to work to please a companion. All that causes so much fatigue, so much weariness. Besides, there's no peace or joy in it. <laughs> so you can't avoid sadhana and have peace and joy. <clears throat> so if meditation causes you little hardship, what harm is there in that? On the contrary, it brings you great peace and joy. It's true that meditation will emaciate you at least once, but you will regain your flesh. <laughs> take, <laughs> take the case of Bonnie, who became so emaciated that people thought she had contracted some serious sickness. Later she started recovering. Bonnie was an American girl. She actually, she was a great person, but she was very intense. And uh, she wasted away to nothing there at one stage. She's the one who brought uh, Werner in touch with Baba, Werner Earhart. <clears throat> you should not rest in place of doing sadhana. You should rest after doing your daily sadhana. Devote as much time as before, one or one and a half hours to meditation, and then take a rest. The pressure you feel is a part of sadhana, and that is how it should be. The shakti will purify your body completely. Even though your face is emaciated, 
it looks much better to me now than when it had a lot of flesh on it. <laughs> because it is emaciated as a result of the inner shakti, not as a result of any sickness. What is happening to you is very good. You should intensify your sadhana. <laughs> Music to my ears. Oh. Sit for meditation regularly, two times a day, morning and evening. Eat good food. Think noble thoughts. Repeat your mantra intensely. Every time Baba said intensely, I would fry some more. <laughs> I love to say that word. Intensely. And along with your mantra repetition, you should turn your mind within, making it one-pointed. Read the Guru Gita with full attention and chant with as much intense feeling as you can. In this stage, you need chanting very much. So you shouldn't lose interest in that. What is happening to you is very good, and you shouldn't worry about it. However, you do need a little rest after meditation. <laughs> so after meditation, lie down calmly in the corpse pose. <laughs> what do you think? Isn't that classic? Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that. I don't know about you. <laughs> what? Uh, not today. Oh, God. What a guy. Yeah. It's not healthy for me to do it. <laughs> Is this healthy? What do we do now? Meditate? <clears throat> he was the greatest. Yeah. Okay, so should we chant uh, with Baba for a bit? A few minutes and then meditate for, for 10 minutes? Good. <clears throat> so once again, with great love and respect, I welcome you all with all my heart. I hope that wasn't too indulgent. <laughs> I feel indulgent. No. Yeah? It's all right. Sabulle, <laughs> 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 <laughs>
समझ ही नहीं लगे नहीं